0: This week on Worldview, India's G20 movement is finally here. What do you need to know to get through this big weekend of India's international diplomacy? Hello and welcome to Worldview at the Hindu with me, Sahasini Heather. We're actually at the International Media Center in the Bharat Mandapam Complex, which is the main venue for the G20 Summit, the 18th G20 Summit in India. Up ahead, we're going to tell you about just who's coming, what's on the agenda for talks and what are the main takeaways that New Delhi is really hopeful of. I welcome you all. Incredible India. So, first, leaders have begun to arrive for the G20 summit, a grouping that, of course, represents about 85% of the global GDP, over 75% of global trade, and about two thirds of the world population already. Uh, this is the high point, remember, of India's presidency. It began on December 1st, 2022. Um, but this, uh, the summit, is really the main, uh, the main event for it. While they're here for the for the world's top 20 economies, 19 countries and the European Union. That's uh, the composition of the G20. It's called the Premier Forum for Global Economic Cooperation. Many of the leaders coming from other agendas as well. So let's just get you through who who's who and and what they have on their mind. All G7 members are set to attend at the head of state level, which means U.S. President Biden, Canadian Prime Minister Trudeau, French President Macron, German Chancellor Scholz, Italian Prime Minister Maloney, Japanese Prime Minister Kishida, who remember has the G7 presidency this year, and British Prime Minister Sunak, as well as the EU duo, as they call, as they are called, the President Charles Michel and the President of the European Commission von der Leyen. Overseas, Prime Minister Modi has already held bilateral meetings, some more than once, with at least five of these leaders, and has made trips to at least three of those countries just this year. So, worth watching are the ones that he hasn't met so far. Are the meetings, for example, with Canadian Prime. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, with whom differences over separatist violence by Khalistani groups in Canada uh, has been followed now by a pause on the free trade agreement talks this pause put in place by the Trudeau government quite recently. So they have much to talk about. British Prime Minister Sunak, Rishi Sunak, is the first British Prime Minister of Indian origin. He's also here to discuss a UK India free trade agreement. And whatever he says there will be significant. Remember, this agreement was nearly done a year ago, but it continues to be uh, wrapped up and it is at, uh, uh, on the issues like services agreement, trade in certain areas between the two countries. Um, so we what happens between Prime Minister Modi and Prime Minister Sunak will be important to see whether this particular FTA goes through. Remember, there are also FTAs with Australia, with the Gulf, uh, with the EU, all that hang in the balance. Then, all Quad members will be here, and Prime Minister Modi will want to discuss, in particular, India's turn to host the Quad. In 2024. Now, sources are saying actually that India would like all three of the Quad uh, leaders to be here in January, perhaps even as chief guests at Republic Day. While they may not all be able to do that, you know, Jan 26 is actually Australia Day as well. Uh, it is worth watching whether they will come just before Republic Day and some will stay on. From the Indo-Pacific region, the South, pres- uh, South Korean president, Yol, is also arriving in Delhi. All BRICS members are in G20. So, if the first batch is the... Uh, is the G7. Then you have uh, the other Prime Ministers who are worth watching, who are discussing FTAs. All BRICS members, remember, are members of the G20 as well. And Prime Minister Modi, of course, just went to South uh, South Africa a few weeks ago. He attended the BRICS summit there, hosted by South African President Ramaphosa. However, out of the BRICS grouping, Russian President Putin, Chinese President Xi will not attend the summit. And that's been the big news this week. Uh, they're sending Russian Foreign Minister uh, love and Chinese Premier Li Chang in their place, respectively. Now, Putin has missed the G20 for at least three years now, and he called Prime Minister Modi to explain his absence. But Xi Jinping is a more interesting case because he has never missed a G20 in all his time. Even in 2021, when he was uh, not able to travel due to COVID, he attended the Rome Summit virtually. So not coming uh, for the India G20 Summit is definitely a statement. Uh, The no-show by the Chinese president, of course, sends a clear signal about the state of India-China bilateral ties. The 2020 military standoff still continues between them. And of course, there's a new furor this week over China's map. And Worldview spoke about that in its last episode. Next uh, from BRICS is the Brazilian president, Lula. He's coming despite a hip injury. Uh, now, his is an important visit. He last came as president more than a decade ago when he was last president. But he also came to India in 2012 to receive the India Gandhi prize. Uh, and Brazil is of course the next host of the G20, so he's got a lot of a lot at stake in these next few days because uh, an agreement of some sort here will make it that much easier for Brazil. Next batch are the Non-Aligned Countries like Turkey. President Erdogan, fresh from his electoral victory, will be here, and along, interestingly, with UN Secretary General Guterres, where they're trying to revive the Black Sea Grain Initiative, which will allow the flow of wheat and sunflower exports from. From Ukraine and Russia. From this non-aligned block, there's also uh, Argentinas Fernandez, and then of course Indonesian president Widodo, who last year as G20 president was able to forge a joint declaration. He actually traveled to both Moscow and Kiev. And finally, there's Mexican president Obrador, who's not attending again. And and that uh, and that's and he's sending instead his economy minister. He often doesn't attend for the G20 summits. Uh, so it means that already about four leaders of the G20 grouping will not be attending at the head of state level um, in, in in India. A special guest, uh, supposedly, is Saudi Arabian Crown Prince and Prime Minister Mohammed bin Salman. He is going to come, actually, for a state visit on Monday. He's also expected for the G20. But remember, MBS, as he is known, was due to visit India before the Bali G20 and then cancelled at the very last hour. While he's here, he will want to discuss a number of things, but also specifically the infrastructure and road in and railway development projects in region which are part of the new quad that Saudi Arabia has formed with the US UAE and India next batch are the special invitees, these are um, made up of countries that India has uh, invited outside of the G20 uh, nations and there are nine of them, Uh, there's Spain, Singapore, Netherlands and UAE these are major economies and invited nearly every year apart from the fact that they all have very special relations with India Spanish President Sanchez however has cancelled as he tested positive for COVID. So, as I said, there are four Russia, China, Mexico, and Spain who are not uh, attending at present. India has also invited neighbors Bangladesh and Mauritius. And Prime Minister Hasina, actually, has, apart from bilateral issues and her election coming up later uh, this year, at the end of the year, is backing her daughter for a regional post of the World Health Organization. So, Director General of the Southeast Asia region. And she is expected to be canvassing support. She has traveled with her daughter before to BRICS to ASEAN to make the same request. Also, there will be the WHO chief, Tedros Ghebreyesus, who will be at the event as well. It will be interesting, because standing against Sheikha Sina's daughter is actually uh, an assistant of Tedros. Nigeria, and Oman have also been invited. And these are all special friends of India's. Finally, there is the African Union and its president, Azali Asumani, uh, who will be here for the summit, is is here for the big moment as AU actually awaits a final decision at the summit on the membership of the African Union for the G20. He's been pursuing it for years. This year, Prime Minister Modi actually took it up with a letter he wrote to all G20 leaders. The membership certainly had the backing off the phone. Grouping we will tell you a bit more about that in just a bit. So what are the key takeaways that India is really hoping come through by the end of the summit on Sunday? Uh, One is the joint declaration. Of course, every G20 thus far has had a joint statement, and Indian negotiators are really trying hard to ensure this is not the first G20 to end without a leader's declaration. The main sticking point, as has been reported for months now, is over two paragraphs, called the Bali Paras. Um, And these relate to Ukraine Russia doesn't want the language that criticizes its invasion of Ukraine China actually doesn't want any geopolitical issues so Paragraph 6 in particular has been the site of a lot of consternation between the two sides Uh, apart from Ukraine there is a divide between the G7 and the developing world over climate change, over climate financing, phasing out of fossil fuels, whether to turn them coal or all fossil fuels. These are all areas where there have been differences in the Sherpa negotiations. Unlike Indonesia and, um, uh, and Indonesian President Jokowi, uh, remember Prime Minister Modi has also chosen not to travel to either Kiev or to Moscow ahead of the summit and has not. India has not invited Ukrainian President Zelensky to address the G20 ahead of the summit. That's been a a sore point because the G7 had hoped he could attend or at least address the G20 virtually the next big takeaway. So joint declarations one, the second is the African Union membership and this will really be a defining moment for the G20 which, uh, which really hasn't inducted new members in its history of nearly 25 years like the EU, the European Union questions have been raised why the African Union has not been included. So if everyone's on board with that, where really is the pushback from? One from other regional groupings like ASEAN and CELAC that represent South American countries who also want a similar kind of membership uh, countries like Switzerland, Singapore, Netherlands, etc. are in the top, in the world's top 20 economies and, and they feel that today they deserve a place in the membership as well. And then there are other countries that worry, some of them quietly and privately, that inducting the 55-member African Union might actually make consensus that much more difficult, Even so, as of now, officials saying it's likely to go through. So, that's something India is looking forward to The third takeaway for India will be on the Global South. India hosted the first Voice of the Global South conference to take into account the developing world's priorities on economic issues. And this was really a first. Uh, then there are issues like climate change, health, digital public infrastructure, a biofuel alliance, regulating cryptocurrency. These are all areas where India has a very specific sort of uh, Uh, position and they want to make their mark in the declaration or at the summit on those. Uh, There's some pushback as well, particularly from China on the specific Indian language insertions uh, like Vasudeva Kutumbakams, millets, uh, lifestyle for environment, and many of these terms may not actually make it in or Maharishi millets as it's called may not actually make it in to the final communique. The fifth takeaway is the democratization of the G20 process. And the government has really called this the people's G20 uh, because it has taken what used to be a fairly staid and boring conference and given it colour and diverse flavours, holding 200 meetings in about 60 cities across the country. So that is definitely a takeaway in their hopes that the world will take forward now because nobody so far has been doing this of holding the meetings outside a specific, uh, sp- a specific city. Uh, next is the takeaway of the Black Sea Grain initiative uh, and this would be an outcome really on the sidelines of the G20 summit. It's not in the agenda if uh, UN Secretary General Guterres, Turkish President Erdogan are actually able to convince Russia and, G- and G7 countries to revive the initiative, it's called BSGI uh, from last year. Basically, that would allow Russia more access to the financial system, allow Russian exports out, and in return, it would lift the blockade on Ukrainian ships that are carrying grain. Remember, Russia and Ukraine actually combined account for the 21% of global grain trade. Finally, there is this, the G20 venue itself, uh, that the government wants to showcase with the construction of a 3,000 crore rupee uh, main Bharat Mandapam, as it's called, which will house all the meetings and also have the main banquet, which has been hosted by President Murmu. Now, there have been construction delays, uh, those have been an issue. And while India originally began making the venue in 2017, Uh, It was due to hold the G20 in 2021 to begin with, then it swapped out twice with Italy and then with Indonesia to hold it in this year, in 2023. And many, of course, are pointing out that it seems no coincidence that there's a political timing just ahead of the next general elections in India. So what's worldview's take on the weekend ahead? While the G20 is held in some member country each year by rotation, India faced many specific and special odds during its presidency. Presidency from the economic crisis and the COVID pandemic, the continuing Ukraine war uh, with more entrenched positions this year from Russia and China than we had even seen last year, and India's bilateral issues with China at the line of actual control. It has countered many of these by original thinking, uh, bringing back some of its older policies on the importance of the global south, for example, to make its presidency truly unique. However, it is the need to build consensus amongst the global economic elite at the G20 gathered here this weekend and to forge a leader's declaration that will really test the mettle of the government the most. And where New Delhi actually could truly make its mark. So we're going to bring you lots more on the G20. Do log into our website www.hindu.com Before I go, I'm going to get you some reading recommendations. Many of these books I've spoken about before, but now's the time to read them if you haven't. G20 at 2023, The Roadmap to the Indian Presidency by V. Srinivas, at the top of that list. Uh, India and the G20, a more recent book, Legacy and Prospects for Multilateralism Amidst a Poly Crisis. This is by Patrick Bond and Sonal Raguvanshi, and really looks at some of the financial accountability aspect of the decisions. A third book, 20 years of G20 from Global Cooperation to Building Consensus. This is edited by Rajat Kachuria and Pratik Kukreja. And another book, uh, which is also edited essays. India and the G20 Rule Taker to Rule Maker edited by Manjeet Kriplani Uh, finally a few other books I thought may be interesting and this book really stuck with me Economic Weapon The Rise of Sanctions as a Tool of Modern War this is by Nicholas Mulder and a really really good read Uh, another book on Ukraine in particular uh, since it is at the center perhaps of the impasse here is the Russo-Ukrainian War it came out this year The Return of History by Sergei Ploki, and it's well worth a read I've spoken about Klochi's books before on Ukraine in particular Uh, another book if you haven't read which is great fun it's from 2010 to be honest so real crystal ball gazing called The Next Hundred Years a forecast for the 21st century by George Friedman and it includes very startling sort of predictions including that the US's main challenge will come from Russia uh, not from global jihad in the next century Uh, finally this book if you haven't read already uh, The Age of the Strongman How the Cult of the Leader Threatens Democracy Around the World. And this is by Gideon Rackman. So there's lots to read, but a lot to see this weekend at the G20. We'll keep getting the the latest updates from here. Uh, And do log in to the Hindus website, as well as like our YouTube channel. uh, Subscribe to the Hindus YouTube channel and join us again from the team here. Thanks for watching.